Good evening on this February 23rd, 2019, as we are in the midst of a blizzard. I look outside the window, there is no doubt we got a blizzard going. Uh, this is a recording of only the sermon um, that was to be preached for this weekend. Um, this is a sermon. I'm also going to do a little bit of housekeeping here with this recording. Uh, first off, for those who may be wondering why we canceled services so early like we did, um, the reason is is because the National Weather Service in Omaha and Sioux Falls both um, had said that we were under a blizzard warning. Uh, both had said that, um, that travel would be borderline impossible. And so just... It is too dangerous, it's too risky to be having services. So uh, to make sure to not give excuse to people that should not be going outside, to not go out, to be go outside, we did not have services to basically keep everyone safe. Um, and by having it early as we did was so the word could get spread faster. Um, it, the confidence on this, this particular blizzard was a very, very strong confidence. There wasn't anywhere it would be like, oh, might not, maybe, maybe not. This is the same system that if you've been paying attention to the news, uh, hit Arizona and Nevada really good. Um, had that like tornado, that snow tornado and everything like that. So um, I look outside right now, I can't, I can see just a little bit. I can't see the um, street out in front and that's, yeah, it's pretty rough. And I know that's tonight, it could be better tomorrow, but um, according to the weather, they're talking about up to 60 mile per hour winds. Uh, it will be worse tomorrow morning than it is right now. Just that the snow won't be falling anymore tomorrow. Um, just today, I already recorded, uh, did a recording uh, regarding the, for the services, with a longer service, with a sermon and a service. Um, I've also, uh, tomorrow, because honestly, I don't like that we don't have service tomorrow. I really wish we, I wanted to be at church tomorrow, like many of you. Uh, so, I miss not be able to do Bible class, not be able to do the sermon. I was kind of excited I was going to do some red um, in honor of the, because we were going to celebrate St. Matthias, uh, things like that. So, I do just, I wish that wasn't the way it was. Um, so tomorrow I'm going to record a couple of things. Uh, one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to record a Facebook live Bible study. Um, I'm just going to look at the lectionary readings for this weekend and just kind of do a very, the Bible study, see how long, it, however long it takes. Um, and then the other thing I'm going to do, cause I normally do the high school Bible class. I'm going to try to do something kind of weird and I'm going to do a Bible study on Twitch which is a video game streaming service. And I'm going to do kind, do kind of a fun little Bible study that would be more youth-oriented. And then they could kind of watch me. Then we could join in some gaming or whatever. So it is with all that in mind, we're going to begin. I'm going to get ready for, this, for the sermon here. I'm going to read a couple things for you. Uh, the first thing I want to read is what was going to be the As We Gather in our bulletin this week. And it says... This is quoting from the Augsburg Confession, the Apology to the Augsburg Confession. <clears throat> it says, Our confession approves honoring the saints in three ways. 
The first is thanksgiving. We should thank God because he has shown examples of mercy, because he wishes to save people, and because he has given teachers and other gifts to the church. These gifts, since they are the greatest, should be amplified. The saints themselves who have faithfully used these gifts should be praised just as Christ praises faithful businessmen. The second service is the strengthening of our faith. When we see Peter's denial forgiven, we also are encouraged to believe all the more that grace truly superabounds over sin. The third honor is the imitation. First of faith, then of the other virtues. Everyone should imitate the saints according to his calling. I read that because today... Uh, February 23rd is the commemoration of St. Polycarp of Smyrna, who was martyred on February 23rd um, in either 155 or 156 AD or maybe 165. There's debates on the year, but it was on February 23rd that he was uh, martyred, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later. And tomorrow, February 24th, is the date that we commemorate St. Matthias. Uh, Saint Math and you'll learn a bit, little bit more about Matthias in a little bit. So the accompanying readings I have for you. Uh, first, I'm going to read what is the two of the two of the readings for this. What was going to be for today? Um, the first one is taken from Revelation chapter two, verses eight through le through eleven. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. A reading from Acts chapter 1. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of a persons was in all about a hundred and twenty, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us, and was allotted his share in, his in this ministry. Now this man bought a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and that there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during the, all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, 
one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two. Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. And then the final thing I want to read, this isn't a scripture reading. This is um, a writing of the church fathers. It's from, it's a, it's a collection of writings, excerpts or whatever, from the martyrdom of St. Polycarp. It writes, For Polycarp waited to be betrayed, as also the Lord had done that we too might become his imitators, not thinking of ourselves alone, but also of our neighbors. For it is the mark of true and steadfast love, not to wish that oneself may be saved alone, but all the, all the brethren also. I want you to keep that one in mind, especially. Okay? Keep that in mind as I get into the sermon. But continues. Therefore, when Polycarp was brought forward, the proconsul asked him if he were Polycarp. And when he admitted it, he tried to persuade him to deny, saying, Respect your age, and so forth, as they were accustomed to say. Swear by the genius of Caesar. Repent. Say. Away with the atheists. But Polycarp, with a stern countenance, looked on all the crowd of lawless heathen in the arena, and waving his hand at them, he groaned and looked up to heaven and said, Away with the atheists! And I should footnote this a little bit. They accused Christians of being atheists because they did not believe worship um, the Roman gods. And so this is why they're telling him to say away with the atheists. But he knows that Christians are not atheists, so he played along with it. Okay. When the proconsul pressed him and said, Take the oath, and I let you go. Revile Christ. Polycarp said, For eighty and six years have I been his servant, and he has done me no wrong. And how can I blaspheme my king who saved me? The proconsul said, I have wild beasts. I will deliver you to them unless you repent. And he said, Call for them, for repentance from better to worse is not allowed us, but it is good to change from evil to righteousness. And he said, to get, said again to him, I will cause you to be consumed by fire if you despise the beasts unless you repent. But Polycarp said, You threaten with the fire that burns for a time and is quickly quenched. For you do not know the fire which awaits the wicked in the judgment to come and in everlasting punishment. But why are you waiting? Come, do what you will. Immediately, therefore, he was fastened to the instruments which had been prepared for the fire. But when they were going to nail him as well, he said, Leave me thus, for he who gives me power to endure the fire will grant me to remain in the flames unmoved even without the security you will give by the nails. So they did not nail him. 
but bound him, and he put his hands behind him and was bound as a noble ram out of a great flock for an oblation, a whole burnt offering made ready and acceptable to God, and he looked up to heaven and said, O Lord God Almighty, Father of thy beloved and blessed child, Jesus Christ, through whom we have received full knowledge of thee, the God of angels and powers, and of all creation and of the whole family of the righteous who live before thee, I bless thee that thou hast granted me this day and hour, that I may share among the number of the martyrs in the cup of thy Christ, for the resurrection to everlasting life, both the soul and body, and immortality of the Holy Spirit. And may I today be received among them before thee, as a rich and acceptable sacrifice as thou, the God who, lie, who lies not and is truth, has prepared beforehand and shown forth and fulfilled. For this reason I also praise thee for all things. I bless thee. I glorify thee, though the everlasting and heavenly high priest, Jesus Christ, thy beloved child, through whom be glory to thee with him and the Holy Spirit, both now and for the ages that are to come. Amen. At length the lawless men, seeing that his body could not be consumed by the fire, commanded an executioner to go up and stab him with the dagger. And when he did this, there came out a dove and much blood, so that the fire was quenched, and all the crowd marveled that there was such a difference between the unbelievers and the elect. And of the elect was he indeed, one, the wonderful martyr Polycarp, who in our days was an apostolic and prophetic teacher, bishop of the, the universal church in Smyrna. For every word which he uttered from his mouth both was fulfilled and will be fulfilled. So, today is, as I mentioned, today is the commemoration of Polycarp. Tomorrow is the commemoration of Matthias. Before I get to that, I need to, we need to step back quite a bit. And ponder upon the reality of what it means to be a Christian. More specifically, what is the message of the Christian faith? Think about what it is. We believe, teach, and confess that... Well, think about the Ten Think about your catechism. It begins with the Ten Commandments. So we read, You shall have no other gods before me. What does this mean? We should fear, love, fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Now, according to Scripture, the law always accuses. It always shows us our sin. It always acts as a mirror. So when you read the first commandment, you should have no other gods before me, it's easy for us to say, well, yeah, I've, I've been a Christian my whole life. So yeah, I have never had a false god. But in the meaning to all the commandments, Luther began with, you should fear and love God. So that. The reason being that every commandment stems from the, the following of another idol or idolatry. 
Obedience to the law comes from faith. So, for example, the second commandment. You should not use the Lord's name in vain. Whenever we use the Lord's name in vain, whenever we say gosh, uh, geez, OMG, all these different little creative ways we come up with to say that we're not using the Lord's name in vain, but really we are. Or we say certain curse words. <coughs> we're dishonoring God's name. If we actually held God fully to be God 100% of the time, we would never use his name in vain. We would know that we are not that we should never speak his name in for purposes other than pray, praise, and proclamation, instruction, things like that. But nonetheless, we do. Just thus showing that we don't hold him above all things. Or you know, the fourth commandment tells us to honor our father and our mother. Now, you know, we for one, yes, we may disobey our parents, but I'm going to go farther. And, you know, Luther talks about that the fourth commandment also applies to our obedience to the, to the government, to all authorities. And in our, we hate the idea of government, of an authority, because government and authorities in general are a constant reminder of a fact that we don't like to admit that there is a God and we're not him. Every person in authority. Now, when we, get, when we get older, we get out of our parents' hair, then we think we're free of it. But then we have employers. We have government. And we don't like either of them. We want to be our own employer. We want to be our own government. Because we want to be our own God. Nothing reminds us that we are God more than authority. See, the law condemns us. It always accuses us. And Scripture tells us that if we don't, if we, if we break the whole, if we kept the whole law except for once, we are guilty of breaking it all. The close to the commandments in Luther's Catechism tells us, and he's quoting from Scripture, that God will visit us upon us the iniquity of those who sin against him that he'll cast judgment he'll punish those who sin and so the reward that we deserve for our sinfulness for our rebellion for our idolatry is death not just physical death but eternal death hell damnation that is the reward we deserve but yet our god and so, that's the law. That's why we say, we poor miserable sinners. That is what we are. That's what the law shows us. But the gospel is that our God looked at us in our pitiful, our poor miserable state, and he did not choose the easy part. He looked on us with the fathers of love. He turned to his son and has sent his son. See, while we were still sinners, he sent God so loved the world and showed his love that he sent his son from the heavenly realms where there was no sickness, no death, 
no sin, none of the effects of sin. And he who had no sin left the heavenly realms to enter into this world and feel the fullness of the effects of sin which we wrought upon this world. He was born into, a po into poverty. He was raised and he became a great teacher and preacher. He did incredible miracles and yet people still rejected him. He made the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk, the mute to speak. Even raised the dead, and yet they still rejected him. They had him arrested. They betrayed him. They denied him. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was crucified. He died and he was buried. But as I said, Christ, God shows his love for us. And that while you were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul elsewhere says in his gospel, that in his writings, that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. See, the Christian message, like I said, it begins with the law, but the gospel tells us that God looked at us and didn't say, well, you guys better get your act together or it's done, because we couldn't get our act together. We are so in rebellion to God that we couldn't save ourselves. And even still, you can't un a good deed doesn't undo a bad deed, contrary to some popular opinions. A good, bad deed is always there. It needs to be punished. Our God is a just God. And he had to have justice. But because he's loving and merciful and gracious, he poured the justice upon his son. He poured his justice upon Jesus. So that when we stood in debt to God on account of our sin, Christ absorbed that debt. He took the fullness of that punishment and became, and he was literally damned. He said it, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was damned for you. That you might become the righteousness of God. That eternity be, would be yours. That salvation would be yours. That on the last day... You would rise from the dead into a physical, glorious body. Just as Christ had when he rose on the third day. And he does this for you as a free gift. Not on account of any, any of your works. That's the Christian message. And it, there is no more wondrous message in the entire world than that one. So we look at the story of Matthias. Matthias, the only thing we know about him is that he was with Jesus from his baptism. And he witnessed much of the stuff that I just talked about. But, and then he was chosen to replace Judas, who betrayed Jesus. Beyond that, the scriptures don't talk about him. But extra-biblical sources do tell us that he eventually was stoned to death. I mean, he is forever associated with Judas. We cannot mention him without mentioning Judas, the one who betrayed Christ. But yet, Christ used him to be a witness to the gospel. To proclaim that Jesus rose from the dead. And even though if anybody knew it would be to be a lie, it was him. He was one of the people that would have known 
the resurrection to be a lie, yet he went to the he went to the grave. He was stoned to death. He suffered a very painful death rather than deny that Christ rose from the dead. So either he was a lunatic and suffered excruci an excruciating death for something he knew to be a lie, or was the truth it was the truth, and he was willing to die for it because the pain was but temporary. Polycarp, that story that you heard a bit ago, Polycarp is probably right alongside, just probably the second most popular, most famous martyr in all of scripture, but in the, in the history of the church. The greatest, most memorable martyr would probably be Stephen, who is recorded in the book of Acts, but probably a close second place would be Polycarp. And the re in fact... Um, for the first many, for centuries, the commemoration of Polycarp was a major festival to remember all the martyrs and to look to him as an example. And he was from Smyrna, the very church that John wrote to in his right in, to his in his letter in Revelation. So it says, where it said, "Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life." He who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the churches, the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. This was written to Polycarp's church, and Polycarp was one who embodied it. He went to the grave. So the question comes, why? Is it just because they heard a really cool story? No. Well, it's, it's that, yes. It is because the story is really good. But it's really ultimately because Christ gives us... Jesus was asked once, what are the two greatest commandments? The first is to love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But Jesus is the only way to salvation. And we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Ask yourselves, do we want salvation? And the answer is, yeah. I think all of us do. If we love our neighbor as ourself, and we have the message, the cure, the answer to the woes of this world, we are to preach it. We are to proclaim it. We are to be witnesses of the gospel. And this is not be the gospel. This is not, um, you know, some. Uh, there's a quote that people like to use is, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. That's not preaching the gospel. The word gospel literally means good news. Think about news. If I were to ask someone to, through their actions or their attitudes, tell me who won the Super Bowl this year. Tell me who won the Super Bowl this year only through actions. Another, no, no, you can't do charades. You can't draw anything. Only through your moral example, tell me 
who won the Super Bowl. I guarantee it, nobody could do it. It's ridiculously hard to do that. How could, through my example, tell you that the New England Patriots won the Super Bowl? I couldn't do that. Just as absurd as it is to say that you could preach the gospel through examples. Now, your moral example might get people to listen to you more, but it's still not preaching. The gospel is heard through words. Look what Peter did on Pentecost. He stood tall and preached the gospel to crowds of thousands. Polycarp was willing to be martyred because it was an opportunity to preach the gospel. Matthias preached the gospel. And so we are called to do the same. There are many people that are around us. I mean, in our county, Ida County, 20% of Ida County is not in church on a given Sunday. And I'm not talking about snow cut blizzardy weather like today like this weekend i'm talking about on a normal sunday's 20 percent of the county is in church on a given sunday there are people that need the gospel all around us so who and i know we're afraid people might not like that we preach they might reject us you may lose friendships over it now, hopefully, the offensiveness of the gospel, it's the, the offensiveness of the gospel that gets people mad at us, not us being offensive. But we are called to proclaim it. On account of our love of Christ and our love of our neighbor, we must tell people the gospel. Preach the law, preach the gospel the salvation of the world. Because Jesus did not just die for you. He died for all of us. We are to be like Polycarp. As it said in that martyrdom of Polycarp in the beginning. Listen again to these words. For Polycarp waited to be betrayed, as also the Lord had done, that we too might become his imitators, not thinking of ourselves alone, but also of our neighbors. See, we're not to think of ourselves alone in regards to salvation, but also of our neighbors. Who's our neighbor? Everyone. For it is the mark of true and steadfast love, not to wish that oneself may be saved alone, but all the brethren also. If you love your neighbor, you will desire salvation for them. And you will be a witness like Polycarp, like Matthias, like Peter, like Paul. May Christ give us the strength to do so. And may he lead us to the throne of grace for the moments we fail. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. That has been a recording of the sermon for this weekend. It's probably a little bit longer than what I probably would have preached in church on Sunday morning. But you're not inside a church. You're at home. If you want, you could be doing this. You can listen to this while you're eating a, eating a donut or pancakes or whatever. So um, I pray this is a blessing to you. And I pray that, you know, pray to God. Let's Actually, let's say a prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you pray that you would open our hearts and our minds 
to the opportunities to witness to your love. Wave away the fears that we have, the anxieties we have for why we don't tell others of your gospel and of your love and of your message. All of us, myself included, open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts to the opportunities that are surrounding us. Give us the words and the wisdom to know what to say and when to say it. And may your Holy Spirit work in the hearts of those who hear. And comfort us to know that we are not, we don't do the job of converting. Our only job is to speak and proclaim. You convert. Let us trust in you. And for the times that we fail, forgive us. Lead us and renew us. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.